Sith. This is my apprentice, Darth Maul. He will find your lost ship. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Long Time Ago Radio, a conversational podcast about Star Wars and the official podcast of CanonTimeline.com. I'm your host, Joshua Mobley, and I'm joined by my two favorite fans in the galaxy, Alex Vargas and Rebecca June Lane. How are you two doing? Doing very well. How doing are good. you? Pretty good. I got, uh, it's, it's really warm today. That's I don't know what it is. Yeah. At least in my apartment. So I got this nice, ice-cold, sparkling water. <sighs> Just gonna sit. We're gonna talk about the Star Wars prequels today. Yes. Um, and that's gonna be quite interesting. I, I I originally wanted to watch all three of them again before we did this episode, but I just did not have time. So all I ended up getting done was watching episode one last night again. And uh, I, I don't know what it was like for you two. I don't know which what you two have watched since, but... I, I just I did episode one last night, episode two today, and I'm about 20 minutes in to episode three. I'm having that running in the background as we speak, just to mm-hmm. see if anything pops out. Right. Yeah, I just, I just had a chance to watch a little bit of episode three, but um, I think I'll be okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I've seen those movies, especially episode one, I've seen like a million times. Yes. Um, what's funny is, I guess we'll just get into it. Uh I watching just rewatching episode one, like the the actual when I was paying attention to just the story, like not even anything else. The actual story of it is not that bad. It's, it's not. It, it's 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 like if you kind of just ignore Jar Jar, and you kind of just listen to what it's actually about, like the whole all the trade disputes and all that. You're like, you know, this isn't that bad. This is okay, but. So I had the same thought yeah. and. Uh... I feel like, first things first, let's talk a little bit about what it was like when these movies came out for us, because I remember, I I think we all were Star Wars fans before the prequels, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I remember being so into Star Wars and talking to everybody about Star Wars, feeling like I was a really cool Star Wars geek. Um, I think I was 10 years old when I heard they were making them. I, I remember the exact moment. It was after school, I was shooting free throws, talking to my basketball coach, Megan, telling her all about Star Wars and how I knew everything about Star Wars. And then at one point she looks at me and she goes, you know they're making a new one, right? And I remember collapsing to the ground, like a, <laughs> like a nerd child that I was and just having a total excitement panic. And uh, yeah, I, I left school early that the day it came out, I brought like 13 of my friends with me. We all piled into my dad's car very illegally. And, uh, you know, went and saw the film, and you know, even before it started, I knew I was gonna love it. But I was ten years, eleven years old, I think, when it came out. So, you know, a little perspective too. Right. Uh, I. I don't think I knew about it until I saw the trailer, for the first one, because I remember that uh, that image of all the Gungans on on the back of whatever they they ride. Like walking out oh, of the, the, the fog or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's a great shot. That was a beautiful uh, trailer. 
I just remember being in a movie theater and that was what I saw. I was like, what? More Star Wars? That's crazy. <laughs> so, um, and then obviously, like, uh, I think episode one came out in 99, right? May 19th, yeah. 1999. So, yeah, I would have been nine. No, I would have been eight um, then, which is, God. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved it. I know that other people did not like it as much. It's mainly, like, adults that grew up with, um, you know, the original trilogy and stuff. But I, I remember as a kid really liking it. It wasn't until I was a teenager that I kind of turned on them. Yeah. And was like, no, these 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 are bad. These are bad movies. And then I got, <laughs> as I got older, I'm like, you know, they're they're not great. But <laughs> the the stories in them aren't you know bad. They're they're sure. decent. Yeah, Alex, do you remember your first experience when the prequels came out? I'm trying to remember. I mean, I grew up with Star Wars. I mean, the first memory I have was you know watching the original ones when I was real little. But uh, before those came out, there used to be. I mean, still there still it still exists. Uh, there was a magazine called Star Wars Insider. Mm. and I would buy it at the local bookstore. Every single issue, I'd get it, and I'd read it, look at all the pictures, and then I remember seeing on the news and saying that they can make a new Star Wars. I think maybe like a week or two after, the uh, Star Wars Insider had that you know new Star Wars movie right on the cover, and I was just like, oh my god, I'm, you know, when you're when you grow up as a kid and you weren't born in the '70s or the eight or you know like you weren't alive for the original movies, you never got a chance to really see them in theaters aside from these special editions that they released later on in the 90s but to be able to be there to see a new star wars as a kid was i mean it was amazing and i'm sure you guys did the same thing too where nowadays you can buy a ticket ahead of time but back then you had to wait three or four hours in line just to get a good seat for the movie yeah right i missed that but <laughs> that, that was one of my first you know i remember sitting in front of the movie theater i think we waited in line three and a half four hours just wow. waiting for our show time my parents took uh took me out of school early we grabbed some food sat down in line and i mean just that excitement of knowing okay in four hours we can see a brand new star wars movie something we never thought would happen new characters is this guy with horns and a red face <laughs> and he's got this double-sided lightsaber we had never seen before and there's a long-haired jedi with the green lightsaber is that luke's lights you know it's just all these questions all these questions and right. uh I've always been a fan of them. I know that they may not be the best made movies, but they're they're still part of the Star Wars story, and I can kind of see why George Lucas made certain choices. Uh, but I, I don't know. Well, we'll talk more about that later on. But I that, right. those are my first memories of it. Yeah. No, I, I the same with me. We had great parents to let us leave school early to go yes, see Star seriously. Wars. Wow. <laughs> No, I had tickets maybe the first week it was out for like a like Friday or something. Cause I remember my mom picking me. I used to go to my grandma's over the summer to stay because they didn't want to pay for daycare or whatever. And so I remember being at my grandma's, getting picked up, and my mom telling me that on Friday my dad had gotten us tickets to go see Episode One or whatever, and I was so excited. And then. 
Yeah, I remember spoiling that Darth Maul gets cut in half to some <laughs> kid because I didn't have any concept of like spoilers back then, you know? You just shouted it out when you were well, leaving? Well, people, I just told them, I was like, man, Star Wars Episode One was cool. It was cool when like that dude got cut in half. Oh, little Josh. Or whatever. I didn't know. I was eight, all right? Like, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And, and, and I remember the one kid like, don't tell me that or whatever. And I... <laughs> I mean, everybody's got to have their first time when they're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't spoil movies. Well, here, that's but, the interesting thing about it. We got to remember it was 1999. So, you know, it's not like we could read on Twitter about what was going to happen or even that the movies were coming out. You know, you learn from a trailer. I learned from a friend. Um, you learn through a magazine. It's kind of crazy what it used to be like back then. Um but yeah, I mean, the, the excitement leading up to it, I, th- I think what, for people who were older, um, the hype was just unreal and i don't think there's anything that could have matched it but um having rewatched it i i agree i mean i've watched it so many times uh i don't think the story is as bad as everyone says um Mm -hmm. if it's cool i feel like we should just go ahead and start talking about episode one um let's do it i think the first paragraph of the crawl is a good place to start uh you could kind of tell what kind of tenor the the film was going to take uh turmoil has engulfed the galactic republic which sounds really exciting right turmoil galactic republic the taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute so you taxation trade routes i you know a lot of people complained that this stuff was boring and not very interesting But, you know, later, and it says, while Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, like, all of this feels a lot more authentic to me now as an adult, knowing about Congress and Mm -hmm. trades and blockades and... When I was eight, I didn't read that. Like, (laughs) I I was just like, cool words, let's go, you know? And, And then, yeah, I didn't know what a trade route was or, like, an embargo. Right. I was just like, yeah, droids. Droids are cool. Right. It's not it's not nearly as um I don't know, uh upsetting to me. I think like I I agreed with you when I was a kid I loved it and then when I was a teenager I kind of picked up these external arguments of like oh it's so boring it's about Senate and Congress, but Senate and Congress is fascinating and the idea of a, you know, kind of democracy changing into uh, a dictatorship and you know, an empire is 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 interesting. I'm not sure they displayed that in the most interesting way, but the ideas behind it are interesting. Um but it's kind of in- funny that it starts the new Star Wars started with with a trade dispute that the Jedi were were starting to uh were trying to interfere with but I think it's a good reminder of the state of the Jedi before the Clone Wars you see that their main you know purpose was to like go to these trade federation ships and try and negotiate it was a very low-key kind of role for them um when you contrast it with the warriors they became once the wars broke out right yeah, I, I, I think that all is good when you're an adult, you know, right. like, because you know about more all these things. But I think, I don't think Lucas gets enough credit for this. He's smart enough to know kind of what adults will like, but also what kids will like mm. at the same time, you know? So it's like, you know, here's these kooky droids that are like, roger, roger, and like stuff running around. But it, but all all the while, there's this whole meta thing kind of going on um that's a little more like for the adults like I, there was a quote from liam neeson or something about how he tried to convince george lucas that there was like some sort of romantic 
thing between him and, and Anakin's mom. Oh. Because, like, it totally kind of reads that way. It does. But, yeah. It's but, interesting uh, you say that, because I thought their scenes at rewatching it were very good. They uh, they had a... And it's kind of sad that you lose a, a Qui-Gon, because um, he's kind of the only one who has a connection to the to uh, Anakin's life before, because he really did connect with Shmi there. Right. Yeah, and uh, apparently, like he he tried to convince lucas that like that was a thing and there should be like some tension there but he didn't agree so so i guess like liam neeson tried to do things like put his hand on her shoulder and stuff when they were talking and stuff to kind of and what he said was like um about it he said something like i did like i know star wars is for kids but the adults need a little something too or something (laughs) like that which I thought was an interesting way to put it. Well, that's an interesting point. If we want to just break down parts of the film, um, Qui-Gon is, you know, this is his main, this is the source material we have for Qui-Gon. We don't really see him outside of this film. Um, So uh, there's a lot that you can kind of unpack about him. Um, First and foremost, he's a Jedi Knight, not a Jedi Master. And it's alluded by his Padawan, Obi-Wan, that if he would have just followed the, you know, Jedi, you know, uh, status quo, he would be a Master. But for some reason, he doesn't. He seems to very much not trust both the Senate and the mechanics of it. And even partly the Council, he defies them and becomes so obsessed with the idea of training Anakin um, and, you know, I'm curious as to what you guys think of him as a character, you know, in general. Yeah, he is, he is super interesting. And I do, I want some like extra canon sort of a little, bo- little bit of backstory. S- yeah, yeah. Like stuff about him. Cause I do, I did think it was weird. Like when I was walking, watching it again, how, how just, gung-ho he is about trying to get Anakin off the planet so he can become a Jedi. Right. Like, without even really kind of asking him, you know? And it's clear that Anakin wants to get off the planet. Like, we know that because he he has the whole conversation about, like, how many planets are there? And, and Qui-Gon's like, oh, there's, you know, probably no end to them or whatever. And he's like, well, I want to be the first to see them all. Right. So it's like, okay, we know he wants to leave, but it seems like uh, Qui-Gon almost like dangles the, well, if you become a Jedi, you can leave, you know, thing in front of him, which is kind of messed up at the same time. Like, even though I realize he's the one who frees him, but what if he got there and was like, I don't want to do this after all. Is Qui-Gon just going to take him back? Well, like, I think it's hey, so water, funny. Hey, water, your kid back. <laughs> <laughs> he uses the force, right, to change that dice roll before the pod race. Um so he intervenes in a moment of chance and changes the entire course of the universe, really. And why? Why does he take that moment to, you know, personally take an investment in Anakin? Because I think Qui-Gon is the... Well, on top of that, I think Qui-Gon's the kind of person who, you know, white lies, sort of. It's like, as long as I can... If, as long as I do something good and the thing I'm doing is not, like, necessarily evil or, like, all that bad, you know? Mm-hmm. If it serves the end, like, it's probably fine, you know? Like, if I, you know, steal someone's 
some some evil henchman's key card so he can't i don't know whatever i'm trying to come up with some <laughs> weird kind of thing you know well there's an example during the movie where where uh padme before it's revealed that she's you know queen of madala saying that you know the queen wouldn't approve and he says something like but the queen doesn't know well, he's like he says like the, something like that right no, he says like the queen doesn't need to know or yeah whatever. and it's like yeah. i don't approve Real quick, he is a jerk to her from the moment what's his face comes out and it's like, oh, pa- uh, Amidala wants you to take Padme. And he's like, nah, I don't want to bring her. It's going to be dangerous. And like, he's bringing Jar Jar. Jar Jar was already coming with him. I don't know why he wanted to bring Jar Jar along. Jar Jar but- was the expendable. But it's just, yeah, he was, he was hoping they got in a fight. So Jar Jar got stabbed in some, some <laughs> Moss Eisley alleyway. Part of me thinks he might have known and was testing her or like trying to toughen her up a little bit because he's just weirdly jerky to her throughout that entire exchange but um yeah i mean he he's a really interesting character especially after watching attack of the clones which we'll get into but learning that his master was dooku and dooku implies that if qui-gon was around that he would understand what he was doing because he also didn't trust uh, the you know mechanisms of the government Right. Um, and I'm curious again, like you said, I'd love to have more backstory on that and why Qui Gon felt himself such an outsider. Well, and I wonder at what point Dooku went to the dark side. Was it soon after Qui Gon had gone through the test of the Padawan, or was it something that Qui Gon actually saw the change happen through his former master? Like that, we don't. I don't think we know anything about that yet. Well, Mace Windu in Attack of the Clones says, uh, or somebody does, Yoda says that he's a, or maybe it's. Palpatine, I don't know, uh, apologies, that Dooku is an idealist, not a, uh, like, a political idealist. I don't think they've realized that he had, he had switched to the dark side at that yeah. point. Um, yeah, but he's but clearly yeah, not part really of the Jedi anymore. Um, yeah, at some point he had to lift the order, because he also has that lightsaber, I don't know. I wonder at what point he became part of the Separatist movement, mm-hmm. versus being a part of the Jedi order. Mm-hmm. But these, I mean, these are those little stories that we I wish yeah. we knew more about, and hopefully we'll get tidbits and upcoming I'd take books. A, I'd take a Dooku book. Yeah, yeah. Right? A, a Dooku Qui-Gon book would be really nice. Yeah. yeah right? Christy Golden, get on that. Please. <laughs> so let's uh, briefly touch on Obi-Wan. He doesn't have a ton to do in Phantom Menace, which no. I, I see upon reading. He spends the entire Tatooine section just chilling on the ship. Um, which is a little bit of a waste. Hanging out. Um, but it is kind of amazing that his first line is that he, you know, senses something is, or he has a bad feeling about this, but then he senses something elsewhere elusive. And uh, I know I've I've mentioned to you guys that despite the rhetoric in the films, I feel like Obi-Wan's the most powerful Jedi. I feel like he senses more things. He, he has an instinct to survive um and clearly he has a general sense of something horrible that's about to happen um but you know his moment really doesn't he doesn't really come into his moment until the very end uh with his fight against maul which is the most amazing part of the prequels for me but um yeah it's it's kind of a weak intro for his character but it it ends strong go ahead can i talk about a line that i think is like really doesn't make a whole lot of sense Sure. It's, it's when all the the people are sitting in in uh, the queen's chamber on Naboo, like right. It's like in the first ten minutes of the movie, and and uh, you see Palpatine. He's like, "Well, how could that be true?" And the thing starts breaking up, and they're like, and the one guy says, "A break in communications can only mean one thing." 
invasion. And I'm like, really? That's the one thing it means? I it love could be that anything. Line. I love it because he looks like a Shakespearean character with that beautiful yeah. hair. And he's like, nope, I know what's going on. We're getting invaded, guys. Yeah, what's we're about happen? to be invaded. It's like, how do you know that? Like, Wait, and then he has my other favorite line of the movie right after that where he goes, negotiation, we've lost all communication. And we're the Chancellor's ambassadors. He, like, wrote a little poem, like, for yeah. that moment. Shakespearean. <laughs> he seems uh-huh. so, he's in uh, Attack of the Clones briefly, too, and he's equally flummoxed. He's just yeah. constantly <laughs> in a state of concern. He's like, uh, they, he tries to, tur- uh, his toaster breaks. He's like, this can only be one thing, invasion. <laughs> his car breaks down. Oh, man. <laughs> Freaking battle droids! I thought we got it. I thought we figured this out. Uh, oh man! Um, I have his action figure. Do you really? <laughs> What's oh, his yeah. name? Of course you do. Right? Something with a B, right? Bib Bib Bibble Babble. Bakesbearian. <laughs> Let me look at it. I don't know, but I remember going to Toys R Us, being like, "Oh, I'm gonna buy all these toys," and I couldn't find Darth Maul because he was the hardest one to get at the time. But mm-hmm. I see him, and I was like, "Oh, I'll buy you." So I bought him. He came with a little droid or something random like that, but, you know. All right, just moving through characters. Padme, I have a couple questions. She was elected? At what age do they allow people to become queen of this planet? Because she's, what, 16? Yeah, I think she, in the, in the, I think in canon, she's the youngest elected official in their history or something like yep. that. Why on earth would they have elected this girl? Because she was that good. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she is fierce and she learns, but like, oh, here's my other question. Did we know Padme was Amidala or was that an actual reveal? And if I didn't know it as an 11 year old, did the general viewing public know? I don't think they knew. I think it was a reveal just because every other time you see Queen Amidala, she has her face painted. Mm -hmm. There's never a moment where you see the queen without face paint and uh, Padme at her side until... The dis- no, even with the discussion with uh, Boss Ness, it's still the yeah. queen has her face painted to kind of hide it. Yeah, which is Kira Knightley, by the way. If yes. Anybody, yep. yeah. A little fun tidbit, but um, <laughs> yeah. It, it, what did they think her first name was, though, is my question. Uh, <laughs> like, was I, she just, I don't know. <laughs> was she just, did she just run as Amidala or had like a fake first name? And the, it's funny that her... her other name i don't know weird thing to observe but um uh she she was criticized very healthily for her acting in this film but i I think in general the character is more interesting than i i had remembered um she has so much of the kindness and kind of awareness that you see later in leia um which is interesting um and you know once stuff starts going down in the final battle in the palace she's like leading the pack with her blaster and she clearly is uh very strong and 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 determined um though her motivations later in the series make less sense i think in this film she shows herself as being a a pretty badass chica yeah yeah it's like then she just kind of becomes a politician the rest of the tree the rest of the trilogy like she doesn't really do much else well she just loves anakin which makes absolutely no sense but it doesn't make sense we'll get to that is that hair guys like it would make a little more sense if i I almost feel like he should be written like her age, like 13, maybe, you know? Yeah. Like, she's 16. If he was, like, 13, I could kind of get it, yeah. you know? But he's, like, 10. <laughs> yeah. 
or something, you and know? By the time they get together, she should know so much better. She's a queen. Why is she so... But let's let's get into that when we yeah. can talk about the next one. There's a whole episode brewing underneath. Um, And then, so I guess we could talk a little bit about Anakin and... You know, the first time you see him on Tatooine, how did we all feel about that? I know a lot of people really hated Jake Lloyd, though he was just a child, and I feel like he does fine for being a child. Yeah, he got um, too much heat on that. I mean, he he played a kid. You know, you can't expect this little boy to be acting like Darth Vader from the get-go. Yeah. Though yeah. I, I, they're really interesting, uh, you know, obviously they, they know where they're going with this character, and they know he becomes Darth Vader, so there's a lot of little great lines that foreshadow um his future um you know and his misunderstanding of the force and the world at large um you know when he says no one can kill a jedi and um i'll come back and free you mom i promise um you know uh i think it's also important to remember for anakin and 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 then darth vader is that this was kid was a slave he was born you know born and raised a slave um that's a terrible upbringing um you know, clearly he went through some trials and, you know, Shmi told him not to look back. And, uh, you know, imagine there's some things he's blocking out there. Um, but I think it's also interesting when Luke and Ray are presented with the option of, of learning the force and, you know, kind of leaving their desert planet. Both of them refuse at first or they show some hesitation about leaving family and leaving home. Um, Anakin's like, I want to get the hell out of here. Like, take me, take me, take me. And then, like, at the last second, it's like, oh, yeah, what about my mom? Um, <laughs> but I, f- I find that interesting, that his his passion and drive is so markedly different than uh, than Luke and Ray's in that same scenario. Right. Well, I think you have to remember, too, that he's, a, as a kid, he's kind of more in the here and now versus looking at Anakin, or, sorry, Luke and, Pat and uh, Ray, a little older, a little more mature. Yeah. So for him, he as a kid, I mean, he's probably assuming, oh, his mom's going to come too. But he never really thought about it until, wait a second, if I'm leaving, is my mom going to come with me or is it just going to be me? And as soon as he finds out, you know, he, there's that moment of sadness and that whole, you know, hugging and don't look back scene too. Yeah. He wasn't wrong, though. He did see her again. He did see her, unfortunately, not in the best way. Yeah. Was it a mistake to train Anakin? Was the council right? I mean, I, I, there's an interesting moment at the end once Qui-Gon's dead and... Um, you know, uh, Yoda's talking to Obi-Wan, saying, like, everyone agrees that you can be a Jedi Knight now. Um, I don't agree that you should train <laughs> Anakin. And then he later says the council agrees. But he makes a point to say, I think this is a bad idea, which I hadn't caught before. Um, and was Yoda right? Mm, that's a hard question to answer. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because here's the thing. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, they all don't, I don't know if they suspect that the Sith are still sort of around, or if, you they, know what I mean? They don't, I mean, they say, when, when Qui-Gon says, I think this was a Sith dude, they're like, what, they've been extinct for a millennia, another detail I'd forgotten, but. Yeah. Which, which, honestly, is weird, because in the new Darth Maul comics, it's like, Darth Maul's fighting Jedi, and stuff, and it's like, no one told no one told anyone about this, you know? Really? And did he kill them all as... Oh, well, I don't know. I haven't read it. I uh. assume he probably kills a lot of them, but uh, who knows? I mean, that's so, a good question. So I guess you were... But my, my thing yeah. was, like, if the Sith, if they suspect that there are Sith around, like, why would that... Like, they almost have to, when they find 
Force-sensitive people, it's almost like they have a responsibility not to let them wander on their own, mm. like, unchecked. Like, they have a responsibility to make sure they get proper training. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter if they want to or not. Like, they have, they don't really have a choice, sort of, if that makes sense. But Yeah, it's kind know. of a, it's a brutal lifestyle, too, when you think about the fact that he's not sure if he'll ever see his mom again. Not really right. sure why that's, that's necessarily part of it, but... Um... Yeah, I, 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 that's a good point about maybe if you leave him alone. But he's a slave on a desert planet. It's not like he's going to become a Sith Lord out there. Yeah, but there's a, a possibility that he discovers his... There's still that chance. Yeah, he discovers his powers one day, and then he uses it for, you know, whatever. Like, and he could cause great harm, and that's the idea. And, I, of course, he does, but that's beside the point. Like, there's... it's. I think uh, I don't know. This is gonna be a weird connection, but in the in the Dragon Age series, there's this debate about whether or not people who have the ability to use magic should be allowed to be free. Oh yeah. Because by yeah, the law of the land, people who are magic sensitive have to live in this tower. They're not allowed to leave, and they're basically like jailed there. They get to train and use magic in that tower, but they don't get to leave. And it's like super rare that any of them get to leave. Um, and there's a whole like debate with characters who disagree with it, who think like I should be able to wander the world free. I'm not like a bad person, you know. Yeah. Like I was born this way. And then there's other people who are like, well, if we do let you just people just wander free, like what's the chance you, you know, summon a dragon and destroy a town? Like that blood is on your hands. That that kind of thing. And I, I that, that's an interesting. Yeah. That, dichotomy. That, that relates to, I think, you know, I'm watching, I have episode three playing in the background and just looking at the Jedi Temple and the, the closed-offness and rigidness of of, of the training and, and um, you know, that's the, kind of the thing that Anakin finds the most troubling with it. Probably having been a slave, I think, lends a lot to that, why he doesn't like being so clamped down when, with yeah. the restrictions on his powers. I mean, that's, most of his dialogue is, is, is railing against, you know, the restrictions that obi-wan places on him and that's i guess my next question was the mistake perhaps letting obi-wan train him because both of them kind of get what they want under extreme circumstances who knows if obi-wan was actually ready to become you know a full knight with a padawan um at the moment qui-gon dies um maybe they both kind of maybe maybe obi-wan just wasn't i mean he was trying to keep his promise to qui-gon and so that's very personal um so maybe he was, you know, he approached his training of Anakin too personally as well. Yeah. I, um, yeah, and it, it also seems like Obi-Wan is just, like, not ready. Yeah. In a, in a lot of ways. Uh, he's very young, and when he's young, I mean, he, he's brash even as an older gentleman. Uh, but even as a younger gentleman, he's, like, even more brash than he is in, like, Clone Wars and stuff. Yeah. So maybe maybe yeah. it goes all the way back to Qui-Gon. <laughs> like, maybe Qui-Gon was a little too roguish, and it just yeah. kind of passed down a little bit. But Because uh, Yoda has a line that's like, oh, it's a disturbing trend, not just with the young ones, but with the older guys, too. Kind of yeah. like, wink it at Obi-Wan. Like, well, check yeah. yourself. I got a question for you guys. Since, you know, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, everything that they did put into action, um, this, the storyline that we see with Anakin being trained, him trained to the dark side and Darth Vader and all that, from the very beginning of the movie, we see uh, Darth Sidious and him manipulating the Trade Federation and all this stuff. What do you think his original plan was? 
because he had to have had some sort of plan. I just wonder what it. So I find we know this it changed so a bit at some point, like, right? Especially with the Clone Wars, I don't. I'm so confused as to what role, what he was going for. You know, he goes from senator to chancellor, and that move kind of makes sense. But then he, he, the two sides of the war, he seems to be behind both of them. Oh, he is. Um, and that's to maybe just gain more power. But it's to destabilize the the republic. Republic. Yeah. He's a shadow seems, puppeteer in the background. But it seems so transparent. It's like obviously we shouldn't be using these troops that just mysteriously showed up and that have a connection to the assassin who was trying to kill Padme. Like, I, it just seems like so much falls into place magically for Sidious. Also, he just like is randomly FaceTiming with Newt Gunray. Like, how do how do the Jedi not know he exists when he's just chatting up? They have an explanation random? for that. Yeah? The Sith temple underneath the Jedi temple, mm-hmm. like, clouds their... Uh, their judgment and stuff. Their judgment and their and their sight. And that's why Yoda's always like, they're clouded the future is and all that stuff. That was good. Like, like there's an actual Sith temple underneath the, like, deep, deep underneath the Jedi temple. And there's, there's times when you see it in Clone Wars, like, when... Dooku's like randomly on Coruscant again and no one notices because they like fly down into this like weird looking Maleficent castle temple. Oh, the industrial and they're doing area. Sp- yeah, and they're doing spells and stuff down there. Like, oh, yeah, it's that. yeah. So that makes there more was, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was going to be a whole Clone Wars episode where uh, Ahsoka discovers it down there. And the way that the, the whole clone army is made, I mean, it, it's not the, you know, the, the most airtight explanation but the way that they do it with sifo Dias and duku posing as sifo Dias and all that stuff it makes sense what i've always this wondered this is all clone wars stuff right no this is in the sort movie of... oh, well, yeah. it's a little bit of both because you have you have an uh, attack of the clones obi-wan kenobi talking about master sifo Dias with yoda but then they go into it more in the clone wars which it, so sifo Dias was dooku no so sifo Dias was a jedi at some point sifo Dias was either killed or died he died at some point count dooku poses as him right to have the creation or to to start the clone army and he's doing this under uh what do you call it palpatine's you know he's the one orchestrating this whole thing so the jedi so i guess so like about that though dooku seems to have kind of a more like 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 someone says i forget who idealistic view about it all like he doesn't necessarily he tries to convert obi-wan in a moment like and then he explains that he thinks qui-gon would be on his side like it's like one of the best scenes in the entire prequel trilogy honestly oh it is a great scene I'm cur- yeah, yeah i'm curious as to dooku dooku's motivations as well. i mean it, to me it seems like palpatine obviously when he when he cheered on dooku getting his head chopped off was always planning to discard dooku but Dooku seems like kind of I'm, I'm not sure what he sold Dooku on or if that was just another pawn it's, I mean, he seems to have so many pawns I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah and Sidious actually goes through like a ton of pawns yeah like all the time and 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 then there's this whole he has this whole monologue in the Darth Vader comic about how he kept trying to find like the 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 perfect one you know and how he was disappointed when he thought Anakin wasn't the one, but then event, but then eventually he's like, you know what, you actually were the one. I'm sorry, I kept trying to replace you, or whatever, because that happens in the Darth Vader comic and stuff. But uh, it it he goes through them a lot, and it's sort of a 
Sith thing. He's sort of just using them in a way. He like, you know, tempts them with ultimate power and then when throws they use away. when they've used up all of their usefulness, yeah, he throws them away. And it, and he probably saw this as the end of like, you know, it's kind of a big push to push like a large army on the capital of the enemy, you know? So I figure the the Trade Federation forces are probably weakened heavily by that final battle in episode three. And he's probably like, yeah, kill Dooku. Cause then the war will be like almost over, you know? So, and, but what's his go? I, yeah. It just seems like so many moving parts. Part of me is like, is he just playing games or does he have this whole thing planned out? I, th- I think he at the, after what is it? Attack of the clones. When you see him being, when, uh, sorry, rewind, rewind. <laughs> After the Phantom Menace, do, uh, Palpatine no longer has an apprentice. Darth Maul's gone. He sees little Anakin. He's interested in him. As he's growing up, he's starting to see how he's not the Jedi everyone thought he would be and how he might be evil, e- easy to manipulate. Dooku, I think, was just his temporary... Uh, apprentice just someone so he can continue moving his plans forward until he could get his ultimate prize which is anakin so was that the goal i mean is the ultimate prize becoming emperor of the galaxy and and ruling everything or is the goal passing on you know the ways of dark side of the force his his ultimate goal is is uh eternal life also yeah but i think remember there's the the conflict between the sith the you know always wanting the power want to hold it want to always want it so when dooku is trying to talk to obi-wan kenobi he's being sincere but he's also talking about overthrowing the current sith so he can take that place right i I think i was thinking about how you taught me that when i saw that scene there's there's always that, that that conflict between them and for for uh palpatine this is his way of just further advancing his own goals he doesn't care who he uses but he sees an anakin someone who is more powerful than possibly even himself so if he has to use lower you know lower level sith apprentices for the meantime he'll do it but as long as he can continue his path towards you know eternal life eternal power it doesn't matter to him who he uses but anakin was just the perfect pawn and over time he developed that relationship with him you know, almost being a mentor to him, aside from Obi-Wan Kenobi, and slowly poisoned his mind. It's amazing right now, because I'm, I've told you I'm watching episode three in the background, and it's the scene where they're at the weird, like, water. Oh, the opera? Oh, the opera? Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, you're talking about Right, so he's talking about Plagueis the Wise, right? No, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's And that's perfect. the perfect scene, because right there is, Anakin has already had these dreams, he's worrying about his wife dying, and then all of a sudden this guy who he's come to trust is telling him these stories, which watching the movie you're like wait a second how does he not see that this guy you know is bad as a sith but anakin has known this guy for years and has never really seen anything negative about him his mind is just clouded with this whole war that's going on now there's this chance that his wife may die in childbirth he's worried about trying to protect her so yeah. with all that stuff in his mind he's not thinking as clearly as he should if obi-wan was in that position i'm sure he would have seen something but Obi-Wan didn't have a wife, didn't have a, you know, children coming on the way. It, there's just so much going on there that for Anakin, it's just this, you know, I want to save my wife. I want to save my children. Can you show me how to do that? Which is why Jedis aren't supposed to have attachments because yep. that is a huge weakness for them. Um, right. 
But yeah, Sidious is fascinating. I think, you know, Ian Diamond does an incredible job with the character throughout the, the prequel trilogy. And he's definitely, like, a, that was one of the things from the original trilogy that got, that it's wonderful that we got fleshed out so much more. Um, but can we do a quick shout out to Maul and talk about Dude. his uh, short but a, a unforgettable stint? In the I prequels? love Maul. He has his one line, you know. Well, maybe two. I think he has like two lines, but in the same scene. So yes. But ah, man, Maul's so cool. I uh, the first time I he mean, pops I, up on that hollow vid. Oh, I got the chills. Yeah, you're like whoa. And there's that music guy. too that just goes. Da, da, da. Yeah. And he pops <laughs> up, arms all crossed, and he's just like, oh, this, this is a bad is, guy. This is my apprentice, Darth Maul. Da, da, da. See. <laughs> he will find your lost ship. Or whatever. And it doesn't, what, doesn't nuke gun race do something like, great, now there's two of them? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there are two of them, which, okay, the racist aliens. Yes. We're going to have to. Racism, lots of problems. With... Yeah. Like, oh, man. Like, every time they're on screen, it's like you're just holding your temples, like, oh, God. And I think I was thinking really about that. problematic. Too, as, as what part's the most problematic? And, you know, with between them and all of it. <laughs> Jar Jar and Watto, they all invoke really, like, offensive. But I think it's not even the accented part. It's the broken basic, the broken English that they use. It's like, you right. can give people accents, but when you imply that there's some lack of understanding there, that's when you get into a territory of being offensive. Um, but, yeah, just real quick with Maul. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting seeing what an amazing character he becomes in the canon down the road um thank goodness you know because yeah. he was so awesome in just his couple moments but but knowing where he ends up and what happens with him and seeing the kind of genesis of that that final fight him and obi-wan is so fantastic um his first line, though, let me just read it. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. And I find that so interesting that he's motivated by revenge. Um, he's always been motivated exactly. by revenge. Which is All the way through to yeah. Exactly. Um, which I find so fascinating. Um, you know, the one line he has is, is something that they drew on and carried that through through the other mediums. Um, yeah. But that final but, fight with with Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan, the music, the choreography, the set, every bit of it is is maybe my favorite moment in Star Wars. How how long is a millennia? A thousand years? Yes. Uh how it seems weird to me that they like he would yearn for so much revenge. But he probably wasn't even alive, like when there was a Sith Empire. Well, do you think it's that he's dreaming for the revenge, or his teacher Palpatine's been like, he's told him the stories, the Sith has lost their way, right. this isn't that, we will have revenge, and in a way of saying, you know, we'll finally reveal ourselves, and teacher, we will have the revenge that you've taught us about, you've taught me about. Right. I don't know if it's necessarily his revenge. I don't think he has anything to need revenge for, unless there's something in the like comic we, books. But I think he's meaning we will have revenge. We as yeah. in the Sith. Right. Well, I mean, we just talked about how, how good Darth Sidious is at manipulating people. So, you know, I'm sure he just told Darth Maul the same kind of stories to, to pique those those hateful feelings um, and, and got him to sacrifice himself for his, for his plans. Um, hmm. But, yeah, so cool. Again, I will just say that that scene with the choreography, I, I, it's, I don't think there's a better lightsaber fight. It's on beautiful. Screen. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. 
Duel of the Fates is one of my favorite songs. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, some of my favorite pieces of music from Star Wars all come from the prequels. Yeah, Episode One's score is gorgeous when they're fo- when they're first uh, swimming to the Gungan City. It's beautiful. Right. Um, there's also a lot of design elements in general that went into to the films that that stand up that are wonderful. All the Trade Federation tech is great. The Naboo ships, everything Padme wears. Um, right. You know. Her million outfits. Yeah, the core. Actually, her 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 outfits have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> I want everything she wears in Attack of the Clones. It's just fantastic. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot visually and the music, all the other, a lot of stuff to really like, um, as far as that's concerned, including the design right. of Maul as a character. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, we've been we focused on episode one like a lot. Sorry, there's a lot to talk so, about though. There is I've yeah, there so is a lot to talk too. about. There's so much. There's just so much. I'm wondering if we part this out and next week we talk more in depth about episode two. I think it might be worth it. Oh, don't threaten me with that because I have like so many more notes we could go through. I would love that. <laughs> For episode one? Yeah. Oh, let's go. Oh, let's go. Well, then, yeah, let's just do. Let's. Yes. Okay, so well, let's, no, let's turn two. into an episode one thing. So we'll just uh, we'll keep going. We'll keep Yay. going. You sound so excited. I love it. <laughs> I am just because there's, like I said, okay. So we did the racial issues. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick, back to those racial issues. When we were talking sure. about the, the racist aliens, do you think it would have been more effective to have them speak their native alien dialect and just had subtitles kind of like how Jabba the Hutt speaking Huttese and Luke Skywalker speaking English back and forth absolutely that would have been a lot nice at least it would have felt less awkward offensive yes it just doesn't make sense to have yeah so everyone's speaking though I guess it's confusing to have like some people be British but there's not a ton of like you know earthly accented affected people in the universe and you know the same thing kind of comes with jar jar too and Watto and the stereotypes they invoke um yeah if they're gonna be from you know a different part of the galaxy either have them have a great understanding of the basic language or have them speak their own language and translate it i think that's an awesome point yeah because they've already done that they did that in the original movies they could have easily done that for this right um yeah, well, maybe since we're talking about problematic things, we just go ahead and address the uh, the Gungan in the room. Although, wait a minute. Doesn't Sebulba speak in a different language? He does. Yes. Okay. But Luke... I'm sorry, Luke. Uh, Anakin speaks to him in, in his English. language. In common. No, no he's, sorry. No, he's he, saying he speaks to common. him in, in, in Sebulba's language. He does. Oh, yeah. He doesn't yeah. speak to him in English. In, uh, Weird. You know, basic. Um... Real quick, though, just again, we've we've established this point pretty firmly. Anakin's fixing ships, uh, racing pods, speaks Wada's language and whatever language Doug speak, and you know is gallivanting around. And people think Ray was too intelligent, but moving on. Um, <laughs> and and Luke. Here, yeah, I'll, I'll just say this now. I think the internet gave way too many people a chance to just say whatever they want. Just that right now. Like, yeah, just, just anyone can start a podcast. Just anyone can start a podcast. <laughs> Fury. They can talk about, you know, weird stuff. I don't know. It's a Star Wars Yeah, movies, I get guys. it. Just I get en- what you just mean. Just enjoy the movies. Like, yeah, I get what you mean. Come on. Ray is um, awesome. Ray is awesome. Everyone's awesome. Everything's great. How long yeah. can Jedi hold their breath? We talked about this before long it started. Time. But great observation the- by you guys. At the beginning of the film, they get poisoned. They 
they breathe, they hold their breath and do some Jedi breathing. But then like an hour and a half later, they're using their special underwater breathing apparatus. But maybe it's just a underwater specific apparatus. Well, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I bet maybe the swim was probably a lot longer. And they probably just cut it, you know, for time. Mm. You know what I mean? It is a hidden city, so you'd think yeah. it'd be a little they bit. Had to sw- yeah, it wouldn't just be, like, right there. Just, they probably had to swim a bit. Can you imagine swimming in Jedi robes? That's what was my next note! Yeah. It's like, the, take the, the robes off. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't. They're like, this is the only robe I have. You're assigned one. <laughs> Everyone gets one robe. I don't have any more clean robes. I'm not going to have time. You know, I don't have quarters for the machine. <laughs> <laughs> I go back. I wonder who designs the uh, the Jedi robes. We know where the lightsabers come from. I wonder if there's like a special. Yeah, I wonder if they have like an old, uh, like an old lady, like some old Twilight lady somewhere in the Jedi temple, just knitting away. Just I like it all day and night. <laughs> just... um, my next little note: droids and just the idea of droids. They're a perfect foil for Jedi. They're so disposable. You can see the Jedi immediately get in action. I mean, they're a peacekeeping force at the beginning, so they don't start cutting open life forms until, like, later in right. the next film. But it was a great excuse to get a lot of great lightsaber action. Um, and I think in Clone Wars, the, sh- the show, they, they use that very well as well. They're all terrible shots, which I find hilarious. Um, oh, the I, droids, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I also love how the destroyer droids are legitimately challenging, and they stay challenging throughout right. the series. Um, they're kind of yeah. like you know tricky but uh i just think the idea even, of having a droid army was such a good idea even through clone wars they have to learn that uh, on Onderon, they have to learn that little roll with the grenades oh yeah to get oh, yeah. To, the droidicus to, yeah to take them out but uh yeah I, I i think even in that behind the scenes um the making of episode one documentary i watched like L- steven spielberg comes to visit the because you know lucas and him are really really good friends like lifelong friends basically so like steven spielberg comes to visit the set and he sees like the battle droid and lucas is like explaining it to him and he's like yeah these are these are like the main battle droids and he's like they're not supposed to be like super strong the jedi are supposed to cut through them like super easy because they're all kind of flimsy or whatever and i was like i think that's kind of on purpose because like maybe he wanted to up the action but he didn't necessarily want people getting like cut in half exactly Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like, oh, that actually is that makes sense for what he was trying to do, you know? Yeah, and I think it's the the, uh, the everyday battle droids. The only time I think in the film where the really silly humor works for me. I like that they're very stupid. I think that's funny, and I think they do a yeah. good job with it in the animated series. All the rest of it's a little, uh, I you know, jar jar at least, and such. At least they're not racist, you know. <laughs> they're just. So we didn't do. I mentioned it, but let's just do Jar Jar. Let's talk about Jar Jar. Yeah. I like Jar Jar. I like Is that Jar bad? Too. Like I get there was so much backlash against Jar Jar, but guys, it's a it's really a kids movie. It's about space people. I mean, he may not have been. It is. It is about yeah, space. It's about people. space people. I won't argue with that. I mean, he wasn't you know the the best character, but the part where he gets his tongue in the uh, the plasma stream. <laughs> I like that part. And he gets his hand stuck, and then yeah. Padme has to walk over. He's like, my tongue. My tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, I think it's funny, because when you watch, when they're on Tatooine specifically, there are moments where 
you know, Jar Jar's not in the scene. Like, he is there, but they stop showing him for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then you right. kind of get lost. Like, in the conversation at the dinner table is, is a really good scene um, where Anakin's asking about the Jedi and realizes Qui-Gon's a Jedi. And you notice, once it's over, oh, wow, they haven't even shown Jar Jar at this table since Qui-Gon was yelling at him about using his tongue. And it's like, you know, they were able to... It just... He didn't fit in a lot of the, the, the serious moments. And so I think that's... They had a tone matching issue, but, you know, and I also hated the coincidence aspect of it all. I think if you take out any moment that was, like, a, a little too winky, like, everything in the battle with him just tripping around and being amazing is frustrating to me when we're supposed to believe that people train with the Force to be able to have moments of that kind of grandeur. Um but as a character, just by himself, I do, I agree. I like him. I think he's, like, a likable creature. I mean, he, he, he exists, like, just, you know, to, uh, like, he, he kind of just exists for kids. Like, he, he honestly doesn't really do much. Like, the only thing he really does is he's sort of the vessel for them to be like, hey, they, we've got all these... Gungans sitting there who could probably help us. I know they don't really care for the Naboo people, but but even then he didn't really broker that deal. It was when he didn't. <laughs> it's when Padme goes up to Boss Nass and is like, "Hey, this is who I am." And this whole time Jar Jar is just in the back, being like, "You know, I have Wouldn't it be interesting if it was like Captain Tarples instead? Like a like if because that that was also something that was more interesting to me as an adult. Um, this conflict between, you know, these kind of, the, the Gungans and the Naboo people, um, you know, him saying, you know, Boss Nas, who I like a lot, I think he's funny, um, you know, saying he doesn't like them, they think they're smarter than us, they think they're better than us, you know, we're going to stay out of this conflict. Um, that's a real-life, real-world kind of concept. Um, but I think it would have been more interesting if you had a Gungan who was really capable of brokering that deal like you said yeah yeah tarples would have been a good one likable gungan i don't know <laughs> just kidding but they wisely back off a of jar jar for the rest of the series which is good until he yeah. makes that fateful decision to yeah. go to the senate yeah he's that one vote he's like he's that you guy. know you know i feel bad for palpatine he's not a bad guy well it's a good use of his character because they clearly him and the blue dude uh, which, by the way, uh, we could talk about this when we talk about the next film. But is the blue dude in on it all? Yeah, he's in on it. Yeah. Like, I think he's in Clone Wars episodes. He's he's one hundred percent in on it. Is yeah. he like a Sith? No, no. He's just you know he's a pawn. Does he know that Palpatine is Sidious? That's a good question. But I, I, he's totally in on everything else. I, so yeah, I think he's in on the whole plan. I don't know if he actually knows the whole mm. role of the Sith. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, he's he's a bad dude. Yeah. Um. All right. So Jar Jar, you know what can you do? I had like so much Jar Jar stuff when I was a kid too. I had like, you know, all my friends got Did, me Star Wars stuff for my birthday, so I had like a Jar right. Jar, everything, and like a mug, a piggy bank, and absolutely everything. Did you have one of those creepy lollipops? I was about to ask you. Oh my god! <laughs> I was about to suggest that. Same. <laughs> we should just. I should switch out. The... Apparently, they have one of those over at Ooh, Rancho Obi Wan. 
That would be a good episode. Like weirdest Star Wars merchandise. That's the one. Pepsi cans. Yeah. That's the one you use the thumbnail for. (laughs) So let's, since we're on this right now, Pepsi cans. Pepsi cans. That was like the biggest thing in the world. Why does that sound so familiar? Remember they put all the characters on the Pepsi cans and then there were like rare golden Yoda that you had to find or you could buy the full 20 set in a box. We had them. We had almost every single one. That like, was my obsession for were, months. They were fun oh, to collect. Oh, yeah, these Mountain Dew. Remember those? The, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now I'm looking at a picture of them now, and I remember I, these. My parents actually still have, because my, oh, so my dad. These are kind of cool, actually. <laughs> no, my, my dad still has quite a few of them in his kitchen. I have them yeah. all yeah. in a Tupperware somewhere in my attic at home. I'm sorry. Really? Oh, yeah. my God. But I'm assuming Unless you drank the, the soda, right? Oh, yes. Okay. No, absolutely drank the soda. Um, my, yeah, and then you wash them out. This is the tragedy, though. I finally got the Yoda after a really long time, and uh, my my housekeeper, the person who cleaned my house, threw it away. No. Obviously, it's a it's a empty soda can. Why <laughs> would you? But yeah, no, that was my obsession, was collecting those cans. Do you guys remember, too, back then, I think it was KFC, uh, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell had exclusive yes. toys, and oh you had gosh. to go to all three restaurants to get the entire series. No, I, I don't say, remember that. I need to say that again. sounds like something that would be done. Oh, I'm I, sorry, I, Mom and Dad. I had every, I had all of this. You're bringing me back. Right? Th- there was yeah. so much fun. And I remember telling my parents, like, hey, I want to go to KFC. You want to eat at KFC? He's like, no, I just want the toy. And you could wow, actually so buy the toy just without the meal. Yeah, I think, I don't know about you guys, but the level of merchandising around episode one um and the and the amount that i partook in it, it was unlike anything i've ever done in my life i have just boxes of i had every book the costume book the the vehicles book sticker books i had you know just everything i have a cool little anakin pod racer um i was gonna actually ask you alex about that because i don't know if it's like an official one or anything but it looks pretty cool i don't know if it's hasbro or something as long but... as you love it that's all that matters Oh. Uh, do you, <laughs> oh, because people are always wondering, like, oh, is this worth money or anything? It's like, if, if you have memory to it, it's Star Wars, it's yours for your collection, just enjoy it. Don't worry about how much it's worth. Just display it proudly because it's, it's part of your fandom. Yeah. yeah. So I found this random blog from 1999. Like, it looks like a website from 1999. It's on, like, WordPress. And it's this guy, like, chronicling how he was trying to get all the... He has, like, all these things about the pepsi cans he was saying that like like i want to read part of it. it says i actually bought cases of pepsi mountain dew pepsi one and diet pepsi to get all the cans cans were released in waves every two to three weeks and each 12 and 24 pack of cans only contained one character oh so obviously like everyone else i wound up with a ton of extras yep. um and it says i remember the very last character i needed to complete the set was the Diet Pepsi battle droid, and it took months to find it. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, so there's the Golden Yoda, like you said, which in in actuality there were about four different Golden Yodas because they could have come in Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, Mountain Dew, and Pepsi One. And apparently af- after that, like they released a second wave of the cans. Um, let's see, where does it say this? Uh... It says, after the Gold Yoda promotion, Pepsi released a second chase can, the Pepsi Destiny can, which has, like, Anakin and Darth Vader on it. It says, it featured a colored picture. Oh, I guess I could have just read the sentence. It featured a (laughs) colored picture of Anakin and Darth Vader. And then there's, like, an ad picture of it. And um, 
and then it says, I'm not sure how rare this can is, but it was sold by the Star Wars fan club with an acrylic case. I remember that because you could find that ad inside of Star Um, Wars Insider. Yeah. And then also, um, in 1999, Pepsi was test marketing a new soda called Storm. It was caffeinated lemon lime soda and possibly the precursor to Sierra Mist. The test market storm cans also had Star Wars characters on them. They were essentially copies of the Pepsi, Quagon, and Pepsi Jar Jar cans, but unnumbered. Pepsi was passing out free cans of storm to people who attended the original Star Wars celebration in Denver. So those are like really, really rare, basically. Well, that's yeah. so weird. <laughs> so weird. I have a friend who I actually just started to, to get to know, and I told them that I was doing this tonight, and... Like, oh, yeah, episode, the prequels. I remember collecting a lot of cans. Like, they, they're not even a huge Star Wars fan, but that start out, stuck out to them as a memory from their childhood. And we're right there with them. Did you guys ever collect the action figures? No. No. If you did, there was something that came with every single figure. It was a uh, Comtech little clip, and it was a figure stand. They sold a Comtech reader that you would put the figure stand on top of that push a button and it would say lines from the movie. Oh my god, yes I did. You remember I those? Did all of this. Gosh, darn it. I'm again, I'm sorry mom and dad. <laughs> I, I it was so much fun. And so the best part was displaying, you know, getting the different characters to say the different lines from the movies. The Comtech one came with this own special uh, clip that you can use. But the best part was that each figure came with a base that you could stand on. Oh my god. To display uh, each, your your collection. I totally remember those now. Right? Yeah, that was cool. And then the stores, I remember, I think at least Kmart did when I went. I remember searching for the figures. They had a Comtech display there. So you can actually take the figures from the rack and scan it over the display to hear what they would say. Wow. Wow. That sounds... That sound familiar? Familiar, but I, I don't know if I had it. I don't know if I, I don't know if I remember that. I'm going to have to go home and just search through my closet now after this. I didn't leave anything with my parents, and, like, a lot of that stuff is just gone. So it's, like, I don't have any of that stuff anymore. A lot of mine's in boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also at that age we weren't necessarily in control of our own buying. Like I said, every birthday and Christmas I would just get anything Star Wars. Yeah. There was a lot. Me and my dad would go toy hunting almost every weekend. So we mm-hmm. would buy two of everything, one for me to play with and one for him to keep mint and package. So we wow. we got almost every single figure, every single vehicle. I mean, and this is through every single movie. Even now, he still buys toys and he'll he'll send me text messages saying, hey, I got this, this, and that. And I'll send him pictures of my Black Series 6 and f- figures. And yeah, it's it's a, uh, it's a hard addiction to break. Wow. <laughs> Um, um, we should get, we should keep going on yeah. episode one stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let me get back to my list. I was just going to say the same thing. All right. So we're about like a third of the way through my movie notes. Uh, question. So R2, R2's history, does it begin as a droid on Naboo fixing ships? Is that his origin? I think so. Cause we have no other knowledge of him, right? He just. Before that, no. All right, so his journey starts when we see him. He just happens to not get shot off the the top of the Naboo shuttle as they're trying to escape, and then from then on out, it's all adventure. Um, but I find that so interesting. I never really thought about how that's how his journey began. Um, and then we built, and then we see Anakin building 
C-3PO, which is also very strange um, and never comes up, you know, in the future. Came up in a Legends comic, I think. Yeah, where he's looking, after, I think it was on, uh, was it Cloud City, after he's been blasted to pieces? Yeah. yeah. I remember that one. I like that, and that doesn't exist anywhere else, right? No, it's it's like him pushing, like pressing his head against C-3PO's head. He's remembering him building the droid and his time back over in Tatooine and all that. It's a, it's a really good short story. By the way, I, I clicked this link you put in here. I definitely had one of and these. You had, it was, isn't it awesome? <laughs> and it was yeah. in the shape of a lady chick razor. I mean, it was. So in case you didn't know, the item that Qui-Gon Jinn is using, I don't remember if it's to test the Metachlorians or the... Yes. Uh, it might be that. It might yeah. be that one. It's a lady chick razor. Like, like actually? It's the handle, yeah. So <laughs> this toy is based off of that design. That's funny. They just got, like, a razor and spray-painted it? Yep. It, that's all they did. And it's funny. If I you mean, look at the toys whatever. hanging in uh, Anakin's room, too, you can recognize some, like, actual, I guess you would call Earth toys, like toys that we play with, just right. spray-painted silver and hung up there. Huh. There's, like, a silver Calvin and Hobbes in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, a good intro to talk about one of my next points, which is something that we talked about in the Force episode, but I'm not sure if it made it to the final cut with all their tech issues. Midichlorians, a moment of great stress for a lot of people in the fandom. Um, In episode one, they introduced this idea of midichlorians, um, and Anakins are off the charts. Uh, Thoughts on that? I know we talked about it in the Force episode. I think it makes sense. It makes sense. Like... I, I don't think they're necessarily the thing that gives you, like, force sensitivity, but I, I I think of it as, like, you know... I like to think of the force as Wi-Fi. It's like either you can access it to a degree or you can't. And if you have the midi-chlorians, it's like having a Wi-Fi card in your computer. Basically. Right. That's the way I think of it. And, and for me, it's midi-chlorians are the way for the Jedi to structure themselves to, to make sense of the world that they were living in. With, with no other Sith around or anything like that. They had to figure out a way so they can measure, you know, this energy force, this this thing that everyone was a part of. And this is their way of explaining it. You don't necessarily have to go with it. I mean, Metachlorians exist now within canon. It doesn't change anything. The force right. is still the force. Yeah. I think it makes it, because uh, there's always been the kind of a debate, is Star Wars more sci-fi or fantasy? And I think while a lot of the storytelling tropes are fantasy... Um, I like to think of it as science fiction. Um, and I like how that's kind of been expanded in Clone Wars and other things. Like, there is a science behind the lightsabers. You know, there are specific crystals. There's a science behind the ships and, you know, light, you know, hyperspace travel. And there's kind of something about me that likes the fact that there's even a science behind the Force. Um, so, or at least a way of understanding it through scientific lens. And, it, and it's really only a way to describe how a person is connected to it. And it doesn't necessarily describe what the force is or how you interact with it just you know that connection right like you said your wi-fi is their bandwidth <laughs> so does anakin just have super high speed internet is that the yeah situation? he's got like google fiber in his veins yeah, he's got a hard <laughs> line right into like the phone company or something <laughs> so right after that's that moment where uh liam neeson t- uh, tests him and obi-wan's just chilling back on the ship not doing anything um I find that an interesting moment because Obi-Wan says we might be here a really long time talking about, or maybe it was later when Liam, when uh, Obi-Wan or uh, Qui-Gon 
told of his plan to bet on the Padres. And I find it so interesting that the Jedi had so few resources before the war. It's like they couldn't just call, a, you know, anyone to come and help them out. I know there was a fear of summoning a Sith Lord there, but or, or I don't even know what the fear was well, at that point. They were also out on the Outer Rim, so the Republic didn't really have any hold there. That whole area is run by gangsters, so there was no relationship between, I guess, the Jedi, the Republic, and this uh, Outer Rim planet. So that's why they had to abide by all the rules, by the betting, by what the Hut said. They were, you know... And the huts are all about money and trade. Right. Yeah, they're also, I think it just shows, again, what their their goal was and their, and their modus operandi was before the war. They were just there kind of to keep the peace, as they said. Mm-hmm. They kind of just went with the flow. They didn't try and make waves, um, even at their own kind of detriment and danger. Um, they really didn't want to get involved, which makes him... Qui-Gon's decision to use the Force to, to free Anakin all the more mm-hmm. interesting to me since that's such, you know, that's forcing something to happen, pun intended, um, rather than just <laughs> kind of letting events, you know, play out. Okay, I have a I have a weird question because I can't remember this. Does Qui-Gon mention, like, he might be the chosen one? Is that a thing? Yes. Um, okay, but then why, this is my question, why does it matter? There are no Sith. Who's bringing balance to what? Right. Huh. Right? I mean, yeah, the danger. What's the danger? Maybe Quagon was a Sith the whole time. <laughs> oh, that was my Snoke. question. What are... Okay. <laughs> um, what's his motivation? Yeah, I find, I find Quagon's motivation with Anakin so <laughs> inscrutable. We need to call Pablo. We need to get him on here and be like, why, what was, what, what's the deal? Well, there's, there's, I guess he always had this thing with the living force. He didn't always see things the way everyone else did. And then all of a sudden when this Sith pops up out of nowhere, maybe at that point he starts really thinking, okay, maybe there's a little more to this than what I thought. Because mm. up until then, he's just with this boy. Yeah, he's, you know, super strong and everything. But all of a sudden someone's trying to kill me now that I've made contact with him and taken him back. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's more, there might be more that we just don't know yet, or that was kept yeah, hasn't been expanded upon. Yeah, yeah. I really hope they do do something more with with him because you know he is such a different kind of Jedi. Um, but let's let's talk real quick about the pod race. Now, the longest scene ever. It goes. It's chapters <laughs> nineteen through twenty two on the DVD. Uh, it goes from fifty four fifty five oh four to an hour and nine minutes and 32 seconds that's that's 14 minutes of pod racing no it isn't i thought it was like 40 because it <laughs> sure as hell feels <laughs> like 40 well I, I think that's so funny i i recently edited a um a sport a, a tv show that that's a documentary about basketball players and i i get the instinct to want to let a sporting event play out because there is inherent drama in a sporting event. And there is. The pod pod race, I, I wrote this down, would have been a great Clone Wars episode. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, here's 20 minutes. Here's this random, like, side thing that happens in the universe. Really interesting. The stakes are high. The animation's great. All the different... I, as a kid, I loved the different racers. Um, you know, they, they built it up in, uh, in quite a great way. But it's such a, a distraction in the film. Um, but again, as a kid, I loved it. Your, your guys, what do you think? 
I, I shout out to the pod racing video game because I love. Oh, that, that was game so much fun. Day. Uh, but, and I I, I was a Sebulba main by the way because Sebulba always wins. <laughs> so, but I feel like that scene just goes on so long, you know, and. Oh man, I don't know what it is. It's and there, and and there are deleted scenes from that. So it's even longer. Entire scene, yeah, it's even longer. Like they cut stuff out of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's also that that guy, his whole family watched him die. You know what? I, <laughs> remember, there's that there's that guy where it's like, uh, it's like, oh, it's what's his name, and then they're like, oh, and there's his wife and all his kids like came to watch, and they're all in the stands, and then later he's, he's the guy. They're in the tunnel, and he turns around, and he's, he does that like, oh, and he, he like runs into the thing. He like yeah, he hits the 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 stalactite or whatever, just blows up. It's like oh god. If you freeze that scene at just the right moment, he's staring right at you right before he hits it. Really? It's the creepiest thing in the world. <laughs> I paused it one day, and it's just him with his hands up, mouth open, and he's just staring at you. <laughs> That's so tragic. Isn't it? Um, but yeah, so, I, you know, it, it t- takes a lot of time, and then it seems like everything is really quick after that um, to get back into the story. Um, but uh, I there's a famous quote that comes shortly after that once we get you know, Anakin back to uh, the Jedi Temple. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Um, So Yoda was wary of Anakin day one because he said he had much fear. Um, I'm curious about that. And, 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 you know, if that really is the reason that Anakin turns so dark um, is because he's afraid. He's afraid of losing... You know the people he loves. He's afraid to leave his mother. He has an emotional connection to something, right? Which is something that can cloud the judgment for uh, for the Jedi, right? Why do we think Anakin is is specific that way? Is it because he was a slave and he developed such a strong bond with his mother? I mean, all these kids were were taken from their parents, right? Well, it could also be because I don't think he was ever planning on leaving his mother as abruptly as he did, mm. and now he's been away from his mom for you know longer than he probably ever has in his life so now there's this fear of being somewhere new all of a sudden you're gonna be trained to be a jedi and you no longer have the you know the one person who supported you the most is no longer there Mm-hmm. and it's later you know it's later compacted by the fact that he's uh you know his he his mom dies in his arms and then he and then he has to grapple with the visions and the fear of losing the only other person that's like arguably closer to him and he's like not again you know so yeah and his obsession with padme is so intense um it's a little creepy sometimes oh very creepy very very creepy we'll talk about that when we talk about the next episode well even even this one the the very last shot of anakin when they're celebrating and everything and he just kind of gives padme that like side creeper look and he's (laughs) nine years old yeah Again, if he was 13, it would not be as bad. Why do you think they made that choice? I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't know. That's a George Lucas question. Yeah. Maybe it speaks to some weird crush he had. I'll be like, well, I wanted him to be a little kid. And it's like, you know, man. Childhood innocence. <laughs> like, I think he should. If he was like 13 and she was 15, I think the enti- their entire arc would have been 
it still would have been a little creepy, but it would have been <laughs> way less creepy, you know? Yeah. Real quick, I mean, I'll cut this out, but I just, I'm episode three still playing, and, like, Anakin just walked into the freaking Jedi council room don't, with all the kids. Don't cut this out. This That is probably one of the most emotional scenes for me when I was watching that movie, and I'll admit, even in high school, I cried. Like, like why? Like, I teared up. How? Really? I kind of, the first time I watched it, I kind of giggled because I was like, <laughs> oh my god, that's messed up. It, it's dark. Well, I mean, you see this character develop from a kid, and all of a sudden, like, you know something like this is going to have to happen, but then you watch it, and you're like, oh man. It's just brutal. Oh yeah, and then they have the hologram of, like, him fighting them all. Yeah. <laughs> like, he looks like he's not even trying. He's like, oh. Which Robot Chicken has the best little parody on that, where he's in the field, and he's just cutting flowers instead. <laughs> have you guys seen that no. no i'll send it to you guys you guys will. it's it's awesome <laughs> all right back to uh, episode one i remember the droid gungan battle being one of the coolest things i'd ever seen when i was a kid i think you have to think about the effects in this movie in the same way that this movie came out the same year as the matrix and if you hadn't seen the matrix you got to think this was the coolest thing you had seen until The Matrix. And everyone knows The Matrix was a huge step up in special effects. And to have a giant battle that's completely CGI uh, was something we had never seen before. You um, know, I was thinking about that, too, because I, I, I was looking over at the screen and I'm like, you know, this came out in 99. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look... I mean, it, it doesn't, like, by today's standards, we'd be like, this doesn't look great. But for, like, 99, it like, pretty you know, good. Like, it Mortal, like, when you look at, like, Mortal Kombat, which I think came out two years before, like, the CGI in that movie looks like trash. It's horrible. And yeah. then you look at this just two years later, you're like, you know what? This is, like, leaps and bounds. I mean, ILM <laughs> is amazing. The work they do, I mean, just for 1999 versus now, I mean, it's, it's, it's still, it holds up. The character mm-hmm. models are still, I, th- I think, still hold up. They're gorgeous. When you have a close up on Jar Jar's face, he looks fantastic. It does not look like a character from twenty years ago or seventeen years ago. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's impressive. Same with Boss Nass. Like all, they all look pretty good. It's when they mix, it gets a little weird. And I think honestly, when the series, I think Attack of the Clones is the worst. When they start putting the characters in completely CGI environments that are really sterile and blank, it stands out a lot because you could tell the guys are just walking down a green carpet on a green screen lot. Yeah, right. Um, but you know, when they st- when early on when they had these sets of Naboo, which were gorgeous, um, you know, and they had the characters mixed in the droids and, and mechanical droids, I think always hold up because when you have something mechanic, you know, it's not hard to make that look. A, a lot of them were real too. Oh yeah, like the ones in the foreground usually, sometimes they were actual like, uh, actual like models, like big giant, you know, props. But at least some were real, like the clones. Yeah, I'll I'll (laughs) save that complaint for the next episode. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like, also some cool design things from that um, from that battle, like the the shield of the Gungans, all of their kind of weaponry. And again, I, I want, I, someone did this. They re-edited the prequels. I'd love to do this and just cut out all the happenstance from that final battle. And I think it would be a, a, a lot cooler. Um, because the way that final battle breaks down, it's very similar to um, uh, Return of the Jedi. I mean, you have, uh, you know, the natives battling, you have this big space battle and you have an epic lightsaber battle. Um, 
it, but they're all very distinct. It's not like rehashy. At least it didn't feel that way to me. Um, except for the happenstance part, the fact that Anakin just happens to blow up the Trade Federation ship instead of having him do it on purpose, which I don't think would have been that much of a stretch considering his capabilities. Um, right. It's a little frustrating. Um, <laughs> I feel like if you just tweak those moments so that people have a little bit more agency, uh, then it doesn't yeah. be- feel as But fitting. he also is like nine. So <laughs> it, it would have been a little kinda, hard. Like, I kind of buy it that he is like, I don't know what's going on. And he's, you know, flying around being... The, the entire crazy. like the uh, no gungans die that's another thing they pull out after after the, all the battle droids have collapsed and like you don't see any dead gungans and i'm like that seems a little unrealistic yeah i i mean i'm sure gungans died i think they just they had to keep the pg like well, let's not yeah they're like let's not show any dead bodies yeah this. but then six years later they're slaughtering children so I mean. but they did no but they don't actually show him killing the kids that was also that's rated pg-13 wasn't it that one yeah, actually had a higher been. rating. Yeah, because I mean, you see his whole like half of him just get cut off. Yeah, <laughs> and all the all the Jedi getting murdered. Well, I just went through that scene, and that's him on horrible. fire screaming at you know Obi Wan. <laughs> oh, good times. Um, Real quick about the design and all that. I think Doug Chang, yeah. who did a lot of the uh, the concept work, he if you ever take a look at some of his uh, his artwork, he designed the Naboo Starfighter. He did a lot of the stuff for the pod racing scenes. I mean, his artwork is beautiful, uh, mm. and he he had come back for the Force Awakens, so you kind of get some similar design elements right there just from from him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'm almost running out of notes. Uh, we talked. I already talked at length about how much I love that lightsaber battle, but um, you know, uh, Qui Gon's death. That moment, music drops out. You know, and. Darth Maul gets him with that chin thing and then hits him, and it's just so brutal. Um, and, you know, that moment gets vindicated down the road. I don't know, should I spoil things that happened recently in Rebels? It's It's been a few months. I think, I think you can say it. Okay, so if you don't want to hear this, just maybe press, press the skip ahead for like a minute. Um, yeah. I read that that's the same move that he tried to use on Obi-Wan when Obi-Wan just totally destroys him. It's the same it's the same move he uses to kill Qui-Gon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is so cool. Yeah. And like that whole that whole story from from that moment of them fighting in episode 1 through his death in in Rebels, it just feels so good to me. After you watch that episode from Rebels, make sure to watch Rebels Recon, it's something that they do after every episode on the uh star wars youtube channel and they go into the that one battle and that one move a little bit more and they talk about the relationship between obi-wan kenobi and darth maul and how it's evolved from you know the episode one all the way through rebels it's really good it's, it's worth watching that quick four minute video i mean it's one of the most i mean it's one of the longest spanning interactions in the universe um it crosses through so many different mediums even though we only darth maul gets such a small section of of screen time film time um, but it's, you know, such a great moment for Obi-Wan too, when he, you know, thinks he slays Maul in that moment. And, uh, you know, it's very sad to lose Qui-Gon and, you know, all that stuff. But then at the end, the Gungans come up, they got the jams. Um, the Gungans clearly know how to party. Um, and then everyone holds up a glowy orb 
as if we're in Saudi Arabia and everything's fine and happy. Yeah, um, I, they, did they ever talk about what that glowing orb is? It's an orb of peace, right? I'm assuming it's like a modified weapon. You know those those energy balls that they throw at the battle droids? I feel like it's a uh, a peaceful version of that, if that makes any sense. It's kind of the same deal. Mm. I, I've heard, and I want to try and find this now, that apparently the song that plays at the end of episode one, hang on, here it is. Yes. Uh, the the celebration music is a sped up version of the dark side theme. Yeah, so they pull certain notes out of that to create that song. Yeah. That's really interesting. If you go, there's a Star Wars, there's a podcast that focuses just on the music of Star Wars, and it's fantastic. And, um, you know, obviously John Williams is brilliant, and there's so many uh, repeated phrases and alterations like that. Um, every theme is, is a play off of the other. Uh, it's really cool. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. That's all the notes I have on episode one. Um, I think we should remind people that there was a very big range of uh, critical reception when it first came out there were some things people really liked a lot of people hated it um you know viciously (laughs) right but uh i think i think for me a lot of the problems center around direction um i don't blame the actors nearly as much um just because it's so hard when you're wearing these costumes and playing off of a you know person in a green suit to to you have to really get them to channel the right the right things and um, I think some people did a great job I think Samuel L Jackson I love how he just takes it and runs with it and is Sam Jackson and is Mace Windu um, I feel like he got it I think a lot other people had a little bit harder time balancing the you know just just what it was what how, what was required from them you know you don't really have someone like a Finn or a Han Solo who just walks in with a lot of swagger. Um, it all seems kind of distant to me in terms of direction and acting. And that was probably my biggest thing that I picked up on this viewing. But overall, I, I, a lot of the criticism that came out after the film I don't agree with. Because I think it's an exciting and entertaining film. And I think at the time it was one of the most fascinating things I'd seen in terms of a visual spectacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do have, it sure is a movie. I do have one <laughs> criticism, though, that I agree agree with it's the uh the issue with the puppet yoda oh yeah the creepy yeah. see-through skin puppet yoda i feel like he he didn't want to anger anyone because they're like yoda's a puppet you know and then so they made the puppet and then by two he's like screw it well yeah it's my first note for the next film is yeah. uh cj yoda is way better than puppet yoda Did, didn't they redo the yoda in a in the phantom menace with the cj version like the original, yeah, in 2000, um, let me see. I don't think so. They did. I have the DVDs. 2011, the DVDs. that version, it goes from Puppet Yoda to CGI Yoda. So there was a change made. Oh, there you go. <sighs> Interesting. Yeah. All right, well, if, if uh, we have nothing else to say about episode one, we have been going for like an hour and 20 minutes, and oh we haven't gosh. even gotten to the news or the mail or the creature of the week yet. So It's my fault. I'm sorry. It's like, no, it's great. This has been great. So <laughs> we're going to move on to the news, like, right now. I have good news for you, my lord.
All right, we're gonna just blow, we're gonna blow through a lot of this news because yeah, we've been going really long. Um, basically, the composer for the Han Solo standalone movie was revealed. It is um, John Powell, and I'm not to, I'm not 100 sure what he's done. Oh, I got here we go. He's done Shrek, Rio, and Dragon 3D. What is that? And then he's done all the score for the Bourne movies, basically. Oh, Bourne has good score. Yeah, I've, so... I've the, used that a lot, actually. I'm sure the Bourne score will be... It'll be quite similar to that, probably. But with a Star Wars twist, because... It's got to sound like Star Wars, I feel like. But that's cool. Uh, he's now the third composer to ever do a Star Wars movie. Right? Yeah, the other was right? Michael Giacchino. Kino, how do you say his name? Yeah, I believe, I believe that's, right. that's how you Who say it. Who does yeah. everything these days. He has the coolest job in the world. Yeah. Alright. Well, cool. Very cool. Uh, next piece of news. Star Wars Battlefront 2 Alpha Data Mining reveals new locations. And uh, so... I, man, I'm just excited about this game. Um, so, they data mined some of the... Some people are in the Alpha and stuff. So they were able to data mine some of the... Um, Local, like possible planets that we'll be visiting and fighting on in the single player and in the multiplayer. So we have a list here. So we have single player planets. We have Athula. Not sure what that is. Uh, we have Bespin, Endor, Fondor. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Jakku, Naboo, uh, Pilio alive, and then Pilio dead. Not sure what that means. Uh, one of them's marked STA, so and then it says Star Killer Base question mark maybe. Uh, Solist Taco Donna. Um, I don't know. And then Vardos, which I think Vardos is the planet. I started reading uh, Inferno Squadron, and I think Vardos is like the planet that Iden Verso comes comes from. It's like this. Uh, upper echelon, rich kind of imperial world sort of interesting very privileged things like that um and that's then a lot of planets yeah that's a lot um so i will see we know we know that some of the missions take place where you get to play as characters from the movie so you know when you play on you know Nab or <clears throat> when you play on like endor you might be like luke you know what i mean um or when you play on another one of those planets you might be someone else Basically. I'm so excited. This is the game I've wanted. Um, I know. I'm very excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. We're going to have to play online yes. when we get it. Yes. Um, and then there's some maps for uh, multiplayer specifically. We have the second Death Star as a multiplayer map. Uh, we have Endor, Camino, Starkiller Base, Jakku, Takodana again, uh, Yavin 4, and Naboo. Very cool. Very excited. And. Uh, I like seeing Naboo. Like that was a lot of the footage that they've showed so far. Just yeah. such a gorgeous. I thought uh, that was planet. really, really ballsy of them. They're like we're so confident in our game that we're going to show you Naboo, a planet from a movie that you all hate. <laughs> uh, it's just too pretty of a setting to ignore, though. It is. It's gorgeous. Um, all right. Next piece of news: writer Kieran Gillen to take on the reins of Marvel Star Wars. Um, he is one of the writers who has been working on... He worked on the um, 
the original Darth Vader series, and then he also is, I think, one of the lead writers on the Doctor Afra comic. So the the I guess the writers of the mainline Star Wars series are leaving uh, after at issue 37 basically so when they're done with this current arc they're going to be gone which is sad because I, I think everything that they've done so far has been awesome um, and then after that it will be taken over by uh, this gentleman so cool I, I, I get I'm a little worried only because like I thought the Darth Vader comics were like okay they, I didn't think they were amazing but maybe you know maybe it's not him as a writer maybe it's just you know the setting or like the subject material you know right so we'll see we'll see i'm still gonna buy them <laughs> regardless <laughs> so all right uh next piece of news spencer wildling added as the ca- added to the cast of han solo but likely not as darth vader um so spencer wildling was the guy who basically did all of the he, he physically portrayed darth vader in rogue one um, he, I mean, obviously he didn't do the voice cause that's James Earl Jones, but he was the guy in the suit. This is a big boy. But, uh, he was, the reason they think this is because he was supposed to show up at fandom fest in Louisville, Kentucky, but he, he, uh, canceled and, well, why am I hearing noise? Okay. never mind. Um, and people asked him like why he canceled because he didn't give a reason and he put on his website uh spencer wilding will be unable to attend as he he will be filming in the, uh, the newest film in the star wars universe spencer will be coming back next year so pretty cool yeah this is a creature performer yeah uh, so uh, he'll probably be like a you know a big old thing. monster or something yeah do <laughs> back <laughs> yes a do bag that would be amazing um and then our last news story uh is more like rebel spoilers so maybe skip ahead like two minutes um but dave filoni's been sharing all these things like that we're never seen like scenes and stuff from rebels that we didn't get to see because they got cut you know they didn't have enough time and stuff so he revealed um a scene between Oh my god, this website keeps playing noise and it's frustrating. <laughs> Hate that. Oh my god, shut up. Okay, I muted it. Uh He keeps releasing scenes and stuff from Rebels that got cut, and he released one between Ahsoka and Kanan. Um, after they had done some lightsaber training, and I I can I'm gonna read the 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 thing. It's pretty short. But I, I, I wish this scene had made it in because it's so good. Um, but Dave Filoni writes, Happy Friday, everyone. Since you seem to enjoy these drawings I've been doing, here's another tale left untold. Till now, that is. If you've ever wondered if Kanan and Ahsoka knew each other or had met while they were younglings at the Jedi Temple, the answer is yes. <gasps> they had met, though they did not know each other well. They had at least done some saber training together. Years later, when she met Kanan, Ahsoka needed to see how prepared he was for the conflict ahead. Here's a small piece of that scene and perhaps a realization that in many ways Ahsoka was a mentor to Kanan. So Ahsoka says, even at a young age, you were gifted with a lightsaber, but without training and discipline, those skills fade. Kanan says, so it seems. Kanan gets up again. He's a bit 
dispirited, I guess. Is, I, I, don't know, I don't think I've ever seen that word in my life. Kanan uh, continued, I haven't had to fight with my lightsaber very often. For a while, I chose not to. I was. Kanan struggles with the moment. Ahsoka helps. You were afraid to use it. I understand. Kanan appreciates her words. Kanan, I've been teaching Ezra as best I can. I want him to be the Jedi I'm not, that I couldn't be. Ahsoka, and I want you to be the Jedi that you are. Mm. I wish that had made it in. Oh, yeah, <laughs> why would you cut that? That's so good. They didn't have time, I guess. Maybe a flashback in this, like, next, this next season? Do it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. That'd be cool. Anyway, that's all the news that we have. Uh... I don't remember if we do Creature of the Week or Fan Mail first, so which one would you guys rather do right now? Let's do Fan Mail. Alright, we're going to do Fan Mail. I don't actually remember what bumper I did for Fan Mail. I was going to say, do we have a special song? I don't actually know if we do. I might have to figure it out. One. Is there a... Is it, is there an instance in the, in the trilogy where somebody's like, you got mail here or something, you know? Um, <laughs> That's a really know. good question. Just put, help, just put the, you got mail from, from uh, AOL. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that'll totally mix in And they just have Chewbacca the say something afterwards. <laughs> or, right. Or, you know what? I got to find something where it's like incoming transmission or something like that. I'm sure there you there's go. like 50 million of those. Yeah. Or what is thy bidding, my master? Something like that. We'll figure it out. I'll figure it out in post. It'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, where did it go? Oh, I gotta, I gotta scroll back. What down. do we have for mail? Is it Christ. actual mail mail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I got some questions on Twitter. Cool. Superfan J, and then we have a postcard, which I'll, we do. I'll shoot it over to Becky when it, when we get there. Uh, we got a message from Superfan J. Thanks, J. He says, "Would the prequel trilogy be better if one was about Plagueis and Sidious, and two was about the Clone War?" Like separate movies about each of those? See, yes. So if like one, if episode one was all about Darth Plagueis and Darth Sidious, and then the second episode was all about the Clone War starting. I think that's very interesting considering what I had said earlier about how one of the great things that came out of this prequel trilogy was all the information we got on Sidious. Um, so, yeah, I... I I feel like we get a lot of it from what happens. I feel like it has to be about Anakin, but yeah, that's um, Anakin's story at this point. It's Anakin's story, but uh, I I wouldn't be opposed. To, I know there's a Plagueis novel, but it came out like right before the cutoff. <laughs> Oops, excuse me. It came out like right before the cutoff of Legends and Canon, so it's not considered canon. Um, but I. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point soon, maybe they just kind of say, oh, turns out this one is canon, so they don't have to write it again. <laughs> but I wonder if maybe there's some conflicting information in there that they don't necessarily want to yeah. use. But I've heard that's a really good book. Um, I have read a scene from it. The scene where uh, Sidious actually kills Plagueis is awesome. He gets oh. him drunk, basically, on wine, and then when Plagueis passes out, he shocks him to death. It's so Game he of can't Thronesy. fight back because so, he's so drunk. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so like it's so like a Roman politician, yeah. right? It's awesome. Uh, yeah, but um, I do think that um, episode two is very strange, and we'll get to this. It is. When we talk, we'll get to this two. probably next week. <laughs> maybe I didn't. We'll have to figure out what we do next week. Maybe we'll do episode two, or maybe we'll do 
something else. Yeah, we'll, we'll it's it's it a strange movie. It takes place in a weird point of time. Um, you know, it's kind of it's supposed to be, I think, a romance and a mystery, and it's neither. Um, you know, you're kind of following Obi Wan as he's discovering this plot that kind of just meanders and. I'm not really sure why the things are connected the way they are. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting idea to have it start maybe with the Clone Wars, but, I mean, we have the Clone Wars series, so I I don't really lament that very much. But it is an interesting question to ask what Episode 2 could have been if not that time period that we see. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird, because I wish that they hadn't killed Darth Maul, because I almost feel like the Mandalore arc in season five with Darth Maul taking over Mandalore would have been amazing as mm. episode two. It would have, but at the, you have to remember too, we're, we're talking about this years after we've had how many seasons of Clone Wars and all that at the time. We knew yeah. that they had to hit certain storylines. We never thought we'd be lucky enough to actually get a Clone Wars cartoon. I mean, there's right. so many great stories in there, but you, you got to remember early 2000s. We knew that at some point there was a Clone War that Obi-Wan referred to in A New Hope. We all hoped you would see this, and we did. Maybe not the best way, but at least we got to see a, a little bit. We saw, we, saw we, saw, we, we got the bookends of yes. it. Yes, yes. Basically. It might have been interesting, because I feel like me and Nicole talked about this on the Women in Star Wars episode, how great Ahsoka is in humanizing Anakin. Um, and if there had been some more of that, some element where he experiences a different loss, I mean, he loses his mother, and that's obviously huge. Um, but if there was something that tapped into his humanity a little bit more, that showed the, the, the turmoil um, in a way that's a little more approachable than just the fact that he's whining around and stomping around and then hitting on Padme so aggressively. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, something to make him uh, just a little deeper of a person would have been appreciated. Maybe like having Ahsoka around, but, you know. And then having right. lost her. I mean, that whole the whole story with him and her is, is so wonderful. Um, but, uh, I think a, who knows? Yeah, I think a relationship like that would have been hard to show in just two hours, though. Yeah, it's true. But I think the relationship between Anakin and Padme could have been a lot better, too. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to do a whole episode on romance in Star Wars because I, I I do feel like it's it's kind of hard to do it right because it seems like so many times they've tried to do it haven't worked out very well. Yeah, I I, th- I mean we'll we'll get into it when we talk yeah. more about the next episode, but there's yeah. there's some easy fixes. <laughs> yeah, our next uh, piece of mail comes from Dave. He says thoughts on the Jar Jar Binks is a Sith theory. Huh. Uh, I don't think he's I think enough. it's f- I think it's fun, but I don't think it's it's real. It's uh it's funny, you know, how kind of deep it is. <laughs> but I I I uh I don't think it's like actually a thing. I'm only like uh, peripherally aware of this. Is there more than just like memes? Is there actually like No, there was a whole there? um there was a whole Reddit post about this where it was like I think Jar Jar is like the reincarnation of Darth Plagueis or something, and and basically like his whole thing was he 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 was a he was pretending to be a clumsy a clumsy idiot, but he was actually like doing these um 
like really complicated forms of like martial arts and stuff and and he <laughs> he was like seriously yeah and they, and they put like the things like where he's got the gun you know stuck to his foot you know and he's like stomping around they they like put that with these videos of like these dudes doing these martial arts and they look exactly the same and stuff <laughs> and and so the whole theory is yeah just like oh what if he actually was you know he was act- he he was in on it he was trying to get palp like you know get palpatine in power cuz like he is the deciding vote after all like in the end like uh it, it's it's weird and i would love to ask george like why you know why why did you why did you have jar jar do that like that is it seems kind of out of his character what to to be that vote in that moment yeah no it's great it fits perfectly they he's dumb and he wanted he they say oh if only amadala you know if only padme were here and he's like oh i'm supposed to be taking her place like they take advantage of his stupidity um, we're from the same planet yeah he's just oh manipulated yeah Ah, that's uh, i never thought of it like that interesting yeah, it's All not right. like he was like, this is my moment. He was like, oh, no, I think <laughs> This is it. Music played <laughs> in the background. Yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, we have a postcard. Yes, Another we postcard have from Sterling. Our super fan Sterling, who sends us actual mail. Love it. Um, from Germany. Um, it's actually a very cool postcard. Uh, and I'll just say, dear long time ago radio, I bought this at a game shop. I highly recommend checking out the collectible postcards of the art of Star Wars comics. They're 1893, bizarre price, on Amazon. Stay awesome, Sterling. Um, and this postcard is actually of a, 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 a comic, a Dark Horse comic, Star Wars X-Wing Rogue, Rogue Squadron. Requiem for a Rogue. And Man. it has an X-Wing, like, exploding. It's pretty cool. I would kill for a freaking Rogue Squadron comic. Let me tell Are you, you serious? I found yeah. a full box of those mint condition in Monterey, and I should have bought the whole well, thing. Well, I mean, like, I would what? kill for a cannon one, oh, okay. is what I'm I was saying. Say, I found them all. <laughs> I was like, what? You're like, there's a ton. There's a bunch. I'm like, I, yeah, I want, like, a, like a new one. Yeah. Hey, cool. Thanks, Sterling. Uh, I feel like uh, one day I'm going to have to send... <laughs> we're gonna have to send sterling like patches and things. yeah i got some stuff to send <laughs> yeah. yeah her 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 I'm, alex sorry <laughs> i guess you didn't know that sterling could go i did away. not yes. know <laughs> i was thinking of archer anyway. i don't know why yes that makes yeah. sense yes oh yeah she's a big fan of sterling or she's a big fan of archer so there you oh, go that works <laughs> anyway wow this has been a long episode <laughs> I didn't think we could talk this long about episode one, but we did it. Um, anyway, in, 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 you know what maybe we'll do is we'll run like a Twitter poll on what the next topic should be. That's maybe. a good way to figure it out. So for next step, Oh wait, we have a creature of the week. What am I doing? <laughs> we have a, we have a thing. We're not done yet. Good job, look. They want no longer. I thought this smelled bad. On the outside. All right. Okay. We actually, we picked this. It's good that this turned into just an episode one episode because this this goes with it. Our creature of the week is Gungans. And uh, we had some debate over whether or not a Gungan counts as a creature because, you know, they have a whole society and they're sentient or whatever. So I I, I want people to write in. I want to know, like, 
what what do you th where do you draw the line between you know creature and species sort of and should we have creature of the week be more inclusive so that we could talk about different species that are out yeah, there yeah cuz well? i'd like to talk about you know twi'leks and yeah and uh, and the greedo people you know at some point <laughs> <laughs> whatever they're called i don't remember uh emrodians rodian yes Rodian. that's Ro rodians yeah that's the one Anyway, Gungans were an amphibious, sentient species, and then oh, I guess that answered it. And then <laughs> the native inhabitants of the planet Naboo. The various different Gungan races could live on both water and land, but often made their home in underwater cities, such as Otagunga. Uh, physically, Gungans were tall humanoids with a flexible structure, strong leg muscles, strong bills, which is like you know their you know their face, and uh, muscular tongues, and many other traits designed for living in the waters of Naboo. And, uh, yeah. Now, isn't there a Jedi Gungan, or am I wrong about this? That's a good question. Is there? Let's click the Legends tab and see. I feel like there was a Jedi Gungan. There, there was a... There is one in Legends. Ah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Uh, there's a Gungan Sith. Um, Ooh. In, uh, it says an unidentified... Gungan Sith of this picture. Um, in canon, there's a Gungan bounty hunter um, cool. who shows up in the Darth Vader comic, and he, he's like, "What do you want in the price on the head or something?" I don't remember what he says, but I <laughs> I remember I remember seeing him and just going cool out loud. Um, yes, yeah. I, I feel like it's important to distinguish Jar Jar, whatever your feelings might be, from the Gungans at large. Do not yeah. let his don't yeah. generalize. That's exactly. The, yeah. <laughs> Don't generalize the Gungans. They're 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 a good people. Many of them are capable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be fine. Okay. Now, now is the end of the episode. So, thanks for I almost said watching. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email us at podcast at canatimeline.com. and of course, please head on over to our iTunes and give us a review. It helps so much. We have seven so far, and that's really helping out a lot. You guys have no idea. Please get those reviews going. Um, and then, of course, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash radio. And if you want to find me, you can find me at Twitter slash Josh. Becky and Alex, where can people find you? Uh, I'm at Rebecca June Lane, and our official Twitter is at LTA underscore radio. You can find me on Instagram at dapper underscore fit. All right. Well, that's going to be it. We don't know what the next episode's going to be, but it will be on. Let me pull up my calendar They're here. They're going to say it will be awesome. It will be awesome, hopefully. It'll be, It'll awesome. be on, unless something crazy happens and we need to do some sort of special, it will be on August 14th is the next episode. So uh, we'll see you guys then, and may the Force be with you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.